Welcome to Season 4, Episode 2 of Viking Story. My name is Alan Laycock-Fuchs, and you are listening to an accompanying podcast to a novel that I've written, which is set in the Viking Age. Now, as discussed in the previous episode, uh, today I'm going to look at my number three ranked television show, in my opinion. And as the title of this episode already states, so you already know, uh, number three in my ranking is Vikings, or Vikings Valhalla. This is the sequel to Vikings, and for the purposes of this ranking, I'm going to group them together because essentially Vikings and Vikings Valhalla are one and the same. So there are a lot of positives about this TV show. That's why it is in my, my top three. But there are a lot of negatives as well, which is why it's not my number one. One of the major positives is just the, the reach and perhaps the impact that Vikings have had on the general population. So if you think about, or if you tell somebody, hey, have you seen that Vikings TV show? Probably what they're going to respond with is Vikings or Vikings Valhalla. This is the most popular Viking TV show. It's created a lot of awareness. So it's done a good job in just, yeah, piquing people's interests in Vikings and yeah, getting them interested to learn more. So I can't fault the show in that regard. It's it's done a real service to the general populace and just increasing awareness. But I do have some gripes, and I should probably just give a little bit of my own personal background here, just so that my bias is clear, because there definitely is a bias as to why I don't like Vikings uh, or Vikings Valhalla as much as potentially I should. So as some of you may know, I am Canadian. I was born in Canada. It's been a while since I lived in Canada, so I don't quite know the situation anymore. But at the time, there was a television channel in Canada called the History Channel. And as you can imagine, the History Channel focused on history. And at the time, it did a very good job of presenting documentaries and yeah, presenting, presenting history, basically, in visual form. Now, just to give you a little bit more background info. So I actually dropped out of university. Actually, technically, I've dropped out of university twice, which might sound surprising to some of you because hopefully you see me as a knowledgeable individual. And I am. Uh, not to toot my own horn too much, but but yeah, we all make mistakes. And yeah, it's interesting maybe for you to hear that I dropped out of university. There was a reason for it, and I don't regret it. Actually, I think it was a quite sensible thing for me to do, but let me explain. So originally, I went into university to study theatre. I was interested in acting, and as some of you may know, if you go to university in Canada, the tuition is quite high, and you basically have to hope to get a scholarship, or you have to have a lot of money. If you have neither, which was my case, then you have to basically go into debt. So I took, I took out a lot of student loans, and yeah, I didn't even pay off my student loans until I was married and had kids, you know, so it took quite a while. But that's that's just the way it is. So I, I enrolled into university and I was studying theater, but I wasn't enjoying it that much. I wanted to do, I wanted to act, I wanted to do drama, I wanted to do theater performances. But when you study theater at the university level, it gets into a lot of theory. Um, I was also literally sewing costumes and creating outfits and that was not up my alley at all that's not anything i wanted to do and i kind of realized that the direction i was going in getting a university degree in theater it's great if you want to go into education if you want to become like a high school drama teacher 
or you want to teach theater somehow, um, then having a degree is, is useful, but it's not going to get you, you know, necessarily into auditions or uh, roles on TV or anything like that. And I, to be honest with you, I wasn't even entirely sure if pursuing theater was something I wanted to do long term. So I dropped out of university at the time because I thought there's no point spending all this money on tuition every year if I'm getting a degree that I'm not even particularly interested in and that I'm not enjoying doing either. Uh, so as I said, I think it was a quite sensible thing for me to do. Financially, it made a lot of sense and I could have got my theater degree, I, I, but then, you know, where would I have been? It just would have been a lot of money for something that I didn't enjoy. So I took a break and I really thought hard, long and hard about what I wanted to do with my life. And I'm a bit of a night owl, or in, in, uh, in Iceland, in Icelandic, you would say a night raven. But uh, yeah, I like, to, I like to stay up late at night. That's when I feel at my most creative and weirdly my most alert, perhaps as well. So I was up late one night and I was just flipping around the channels, and I landed on the History Channel. Now, I don't know if there is a History Channel in the U.S. I don't know if there's a History Channel in other countries in the world, but there was in Canada at the time. I think there's also a U.S. History Channel. But anyways, I, I landed on this channel. I'd never watched it before. I wasn't even necessarily that interested in history, but they were showing a documentary on Alexandria, which was the Egyptian city that had a, a large library. And yeah, it was just really interesting to learn about this and every night at this time I think it was like one or two in the morning they would have this documentary on, on some aspect of Egyptian culture so yeah I got really into it I started watching it every night and this kind of got me interested in in history and then I started thinking well the history that I like it's not really Egyptian history it's Vikings Viking history so from there I looked into universities where I could study Vikings and yeah I was able to pursue a degree in let's call it Vikings um, in Iceland I it was technically medieval Icelandic studies was my my uh, MA by the way if any of you are interested in doing university but feel like you can't afford it I would recommend checking out European universities because now that I live in Europe uh, I can see quite clearly that actually Europeans don't pay for university. And even as a foreigner in Iceland, my tuition every year was about $300, which is probably less than most people pay for rent in a month. And this was my tuition for a whole year. Whereas other friends I knew were paying literally tens of thousands of dollars every year uh, or, or going in, into debt more likely uh, in the tens of thousands per year. So 300 and I had one friend actually comment to me that he said, this, is, this must be a mistake. They must have put the decimal place in the wrong spot. And I said, no, no, it's, uh, it's 300, 300 bucks a year. That's, what, that's my tuition. So yeah, definitely uh, if you guys are interested in having a, an affordable education, if you've got the opportunity, look into uni European universities. At least from my experience, I can recommend Scandinavian universities. But yeah, back to, back to my story. So... This is what got me onto my path that I'm currently on of studying Vikings, which I love. And I ended up getting a degree, as I said, which was worthwhile to me and, and which I enjoyed. So it wasn't just getting a degree for the sake of it. I actually enjoyed the process as well. And it was financially viable. Actually, I think it was while I was still studying 
in Iceland that I heard about the Vikings TV show for the first time. And that's when I learned that it was going to be on the History Channel in Canada. I'm not sure where it debuted in other countries around the world, but in Canada it debuted on the History Channel. I think at some point it migrated over to Netflix. Certainly Vikings Valhalla is currently on Netflix, but I remember thinking a TV show about Vikings on the History Channel is going to be amazing because it's going to be a historical drama and I'm sure it's going to be really good. So I was really excited. I was anticipating this and looking forward to watching it. And this is where the problems kind of came in. Now, there are people connected to the television series who are well-respected scholars. People like Neil Price, for example. He's, uh, he's an archaeologist. He's a scholar. He's someone very well-respected in sort of Viking academia. He's actually someone that I've met myself as well. I met him once in Oslo, and actually we went out to dinner together, and I think I made him laugh. I, I said some joke about how I am, like, uber-Canadian or something, and I don't know, he, he, was, <laughs> he was almost literally on the floor laughing, I don't know. Um, he's a good guy. Uh, I really like him. Really short guy as well, though. I myself would say I'm about average height. I'm about 5'10", maybe 5'11 on a good day, but Neil was considerably shorter than me. He, he couldn't have been more than five feet tall, which... I remember being surprised about it at the time because most people in when you're studying Vikings, there's a lot of Scandinavian people, they tend to be quite tall, and even people who weren't Scandinavian just tended to be larger people in <laughs> in Viking studies. Um, so to meet Neil with his smaller stature was a bit of a shock. But uh, what he lacks in in physical stature, he more than makes up for in reputation. He's got a big reputation, as I said, a very well-respected scholar. And to have him associated in any way with the Vikings TV show is a real coup for the, for the series. And I'm not sure exactly how much involvement he had, but he has had some, from my understanding. And he brings a certain level of authenticity, I would say, to the show. But there's another person involved with the show, and... and this is someone I might reference a few more times in this episode, and his name is Michael Hurst, and he is the showrunner. Uh, he seems to be a bit of a history buff himself, a history enthusiast, but importantly, he's not a scholar. This is not his area of expertise, and he has openly admitted in the past that he sacrifices historical accuracy in his shows for entertainment value, basically. And I kind of understand that on the one hand. His job is based on ratings, and he's got to get ratings however he feels he can. Uh, but my argument would be that you don't have to fudge history or create, you know, sort of an alternate history in order for it to be an entertaining historical drama. I would argue that real life can be equally entertaining, and as much so back then as it is now. Today we have dramas on television that are based in, in real life and they can be quite compelling. So that would be my argument, but obviously he's taken a different view on it. And yeah, this was just something that kind of bothered me because if you've got a show called Vikings on the History Channel, for a lot of the general public, I mean, as I said earlier, it's it's good that they got exposure to Vikings. It's good that this has created awareness, but then once they start watching the show, they're probably naturally going to believe that what they're seeing is an accurate representation of what actually happened in the Viking Age, which almost couldn't be farther from the truth. So this is where I sort of have 
uh, where I sort of take issue with, with the show and why, as I said again, it's number three on my list and not number one. And another problem I see is that the actors as well don't really know anything about Vikings. I mean, some of them do, uh, to their credit. Clive Standen seems to know uh, a few things about Vikings and the Viking Age. But the lead character, for example, Ragnar, uh, portrayed by Travis Fimmel, he seemingly didn't know anything about Vikings. And I'm not criticizing him per se. As I just said, I was an actor myself. If you are an actor on the show, your main directive is to follow the script, follow the director's points. <laughs> um, you should look into the character yourself. You should you know, find your own sort of style and, and your own way to present the character. Maybe you do some, own, some of your own research as well, but it's not really your goal as the actor to argue that this script is historically inaccurate. I mean, that's up to the producers of the show and, and the director to decide. Your, your role is to portray the character as they see it, as they present it. So I don't blame the, the actors necessarily, but I just feel like the more people involved with the show who would be arguing for authenticity, the better it would be. But again, it goes back to Michael Hurst's statement that he's not here to show an accurate portrayal of how things were. He's here to create an entertaining show um, in his perspective. So this is the, uh, th this is the debate. <laughs> this, is, this is sort of where the crossroads are for this show. And as I mentioned, people like Neil Price are involved with the show, but this is also where I, I have some, where I take some issues because the show will present things and they are things that potentially were true in the Viking Age, but we just don't really have the knowledge at the moment to definitively say, yes, this is how it was, or even to say, this is likely how it was. Things were presented in the show that were at, at best a maybe, and they're presented then as if this is the most normal thing in the Viking Age ever. And I'll give you an example. There's a, there's a scene where, uh, I think it's Ragnar, he's got a sunstone, and he's looking through the sunstone, through the clouds, to try to determine exactly the position of the sun. Now, we do have some references to sunstones. Not many, but a couple. So it's possible that sunstones were a tool that the Vikings used on cloudy days, let's say. But then in this episode, they also use a sun compass. And uh, this is used to determine potentially latitude or true north. But the problem is this compass, it's based on an archaeological find from Greenland, but this is the only compass we've ever really found in the Viking Age. And it's not even, even this compass was not a complete compass. Archaeologists only found about 40%, almost half of a compass of what could have been a compass maybe. So it's a bit of a stretch to say that this was a tool that the Vikings used regularly. And, and that's my problem. It's presented like that on the show as, yeah, this is what the Vikings used. Where if you wanted to go down that route, I think you should have presented it somehow as like, this is not normal. What, what kind of tool are you using there? Oh, it's, you can use it like this. And okay, that's not like presented as not normal, but maybe something that some Vikings used because I am open to the idea. Of course, we can't definitively say they didn't use sun compasses but at the same time i would like i would personally have presented the show with the knowledge as best we understand it as of right now and as of right now 
there's not enough evidence to suggest that Vikings used sun compasses on a large scale. So I would have presented it as sort of like a unique situation that maybe one or two people had knowledge of or utilized, but not something that was a widespread use. But yeah, again, this goes to, to my own bias of the History Channel being what I would hope would be something that focuses on actual history and not just entertainment value. But yeah, that's one example of, of something that that I took umbrage with, you could say. I want to balance this out, though. I, I do want to say some, some more positive things about the show, because as you know by now, I'm a positive person and, and I don't want to focus too heavily on the negative, but I have to give the, bi uh, the balanced perspective. So... Just to shed a little light on, on some more of the positive, though, I do like that the show takes the Viking perspective. This is one of the first times that I can recall a television show yeah, taking the Viking perspective, so showing the Vikings as the protagonist, basically. So it gets you more on their side, and they're not, they're not supposed to be the outsiders that they typically are in other movies and, and shows, um, especially when we talk about shows developed sort of in, in North America, let's say, and, and shows based or, or in the UK as well, because a lot of what comes to us in English comes from originally the, the monks' interpretation of, of how they saw the Vikings, and they did not see them very uh, positively. I, I'll give you another example. There was a movie, this was oh, a long time ago, but it had Colin Farrell in it, and it was about the New World and natives and Vikings and... The premise was the Vikings were the, the antagonists, for sure, in this movie. And their whole motto operandi was basically the Vikings just wanted to destroy all life everywhere. And from the moment they woke up till the, the moment they went to bed at night, they just wanted to kill every single human being. And that might have been what the monks thought of the Vikings. But this attitude is, is definitely wrong. And the Vikings were not about just wiping out humanity. Not at all. So I like that the Viking TV show shows us the Vikings at home, with families. I mean, they were just like, in a sense, they were just like ordinary people. Uh, the thing that made them different was that they had technology that allowed them to take ships across the, the seas, and they were able to then conduct trade in far-off places, and yeah, raid as well. So this kind of made them a bit unique, but they weren't all about just killing. And as I've said before... If they could avoid a fight, they were happy to do so. They were more about fame and wealth and and that sort of thing than they were about just killing. So yeah, I like that aspect of it. But then again, there's the negative side. So, for example, why do the Vikings talk like they do on the show? Why do they have this stupid-sounding accent? I can only imagine that a native English speaker heard someone from Scandinavia, possibly Iceland, speaking with a very thick accent in English and thought, huh, that sounds weird. Isn't, isn't that a weird sounding accent? Let's incorporate that into my TV show. But again, if you're presenting the Vikings from the Vikings point of view, from their perspective, they didn't sound strange to each other. So why make them sound strange uh, on the TV show? I think that was a, a creative decision that, that was wrong. And they seem to speak a little bit more normally in Vikings Valhalla, the sequel, but you still have this element of, it's a, it's a bit weird. Like, just, just talk normally. Come on, guys. Another thing I would say that's, that's negative, just to give another example, I mean, I've spoken in, uh, as far back as season one about how murder was frowned upon during the Viking Age. 
And we have scenes where the main protagonist, Ragnar, is just murdering his comrades. Like, why would you do this? This is completely dishonorable. We have another situation where his son, Bjorn, tries to make a name for himself and increase his reputation by living out in the wild and fending for himself and fighting bears and surviving on his own. And maybe in today's day and age, that would be something where you go, wow, if someone did that, you're quite a, quite a bad, you know what. But in the Viking Age, this would be the complete opposite of what you'd want to do. You'd want to do things where people can see you. If you disappear into the wild and nobody knows what you're doing, that's not a way to build your reputation. You have to win battles. You have to, yeah, you have to, you have to go out into the world and do things in a very public way. And that's the only way you're going to enhance your reputation. And disappearing off into the woods is, is not going to cut it. So there's things like this. But again, it all goes back again to the showrunner, to Michael Hurst and his attitude of sacrificing historical accuracy for, for entertainment value. So that's the argument and that's the decision that's been made. But yeah, again, on, on the good side, on the positive side, I do like how the show portrays gods among people. I think they do a good job. There, there are certain scenes where after a battle you see Odin walking through the, the deceased perhaps looking for the for the next great warriors to join him in, in Valhult or Valhalla. Usually it would be the Valkyries, of course, but I don't mind Odin. And they portray it in the show as uh, sort of a, a bit of a hallucination, like Ragnar's not really sure if he saw what he saw, you know, rubbing his eyes. But, but I like that. I like, because in the Viking Age, the gods were very near. Like, it was, it was really like... They lived amongst you. Like Odin himself could be in the skies at any point as a person in, you know, next to you in a feast hall or, or whatever. There was another scene where there was a god. I'm not sure which god he was trying to portray, but this man, this wanderer came in. I don't think it was supposed to be Odin, but there was something about him where you knew he was possibly a bit magical or supernatural even. And they portray that quite well in the show. So I like this idea of the gods being very near and that this is a, a part of your daily life. It, it, the gods are incorporated in a very intimate way. So I think they do a good job there. But again, there's always more negative. I mean, this is a small one, but why is it always raining and, and stormy in Scandinavia? Uh, the only place where the sun seems to shine in the Vikings show is, is in England, which doesn't make any sense. So I think it's just, again, they're trying to portray that as much as they try to put the emphasis on the Vikings as the protagonist, at the end of the day, they still seem to want to portray them as something else. They're not like us. They're different. They're other. They have weird makeup. They talk weird. The weather's dangerous and scary all the time. And it's just this other existence, which again is not an accurate portrayal of the Vikings, but uh, a decision that the showrunner made. A few more points, I guess. There are a couple characters in the show that I think are really interesting, and I would have liked to have seen them developed a bit more, obviously a bit more accurately as well, if, if we were to, to have such characters in history. One of them is a character named Aethelstan, I believe was his name, and he was a monk that was not killed. He was taken as a slave, which is completely understandable. This could have happened in the Viking Age. But what ends up happening with Aethelstan is that he actually converts to, to the Viking religion. So he kind of reverts to the pagan religion, I would say. Uh, which is really interesting because he, at the end of the day, he actually becomes, I would say, Viking. But he's got this knowledge of Christianity and, and of 
England. And so he becomes a very useful character in that sense because he's he kind of straddles both worlds. And I would have liked to have seen that character develop more because I think that's quite a compelling character and quite interesting. There's another character. I thought he was an interesting character, but portrayed completely inaccurately from a historical perspective. But it, he was a priest. He came in one of the later seasons. I can't remember the actor's name right now, but this guy had sort of a, a faux hawk, which I didn't agree with gel in the hair and whatnot and, and again this is something where the show takes maybe an idea that i mean who's who's to say whether the vikings had faux hawks or not we do have some accounts some descriptions of hairstyles that the vikings had most often when we look at the archaeological record the hair does not survive so it's very difficult to see hairstyles and, and things like that but so who knows maybe the vikings had faux hawks but i kind of think it was unlikely and certainly not widespread throughout the Viking Age, I, I, I would doubt. And again, if I were to present the show, I would have probably presented it with the information that we have to date. So to date, I would think this is not a hairstyle that would have been popular in the Viking Age. But And I can imagine that this was the actor's real hairstyle as well. And probably the showrunner just thought, this guy's got cool hair, let's not change a thing. But his character was interesting because he was a priest, and uh, but also he... He kind of took on Viking characteristics in the sense that he wasn't afraid to to kill. He was a fighter as much as he was a priest. So it's, it's again, it's interesting. But in the show, this character, for example, kills someone in his church, which com- would have been completely blasphemous. No, no priest. I mean, very, very unlikely the priest would kill someone anyways. But if they were, it would not be in a church. Churches were sacred and I'll give you an example. I was working on an archaeological site in Iceland, and it was a, a home from the Middle Ages. And beside this home was a church, a Christian church. So this was after the conversion of Christia, uh, to Christianity. And there was an underground tunnel that connected the home to the church. And you might wonder, okay, why is there an underground tunnel connecting this house to the church? First thought is maybe the people just wanted to have a nice way to get to church where they wouldn't have to go outside into the elements. If it was raining, you could get to church quite easily without getting wet, for example. But in actuality, this church was only a few hundred meters away from the house. So even if it was raining, you weren't going to get that wet just going a few few hundred meters, maybe even less than 100 meters. Yeah, it was definitely less than 100 meters. <laughs> so yeah, it would have taken you about five to 10 seconds maximum to, to get from the house to this church. So why do you need an underground tunnel? Well, in the Middle Ages, churches were a safe haven. They were a place of refuge. You had sort of impunity in in a church. Um, basically, you couldn't be killed in a church. It was a it was a place where you were safe. So the idea was that if people lived in this house, if they were attacked, if the house was surrounded, they could escape through this tunnel into the church where they couldn't be harmed. Now, of course, if you still wanted to kill these people, there were obviously ways to do it. I mean, they still needed to eat, so you could sort of just surround the church and the house and cut off their resources for food, for example. But it would at least buy them some time because, yeah, it was it was completely unacceptable to kill someone in a church. This was a, a holy place, a place of sanctity. You weren't you weren't spilling any blood in a church. So this was probably the reason behind the tunnel. And again, there's no way that a priest would have killed someone in his own church um, in the Viking Age. So I would have changed that. But the character himself was interesting in the sense that he was a bit more aggressive, authoritative, could kill if he if he wanted to, if he had to. So yeah, I would have liked to have seen that sort of fleshed out a bit more, but wasn't to be. 
So I think that comes to sort of the crux of the issue that I have with, with the Vikings TV show. And, and again, maybe it's my own bias. Maybe it's just because it debuted on the History Channel in Canada and I was expecting it to be so much more historically accurate than it was. But at the same time, at least it has reached a large number of people. A large percentage of the population are now interested in the Vikings who weren't before. So there is that. But the thing that I will say... That's a bit damning. And this is a completely controversial statement, I will I will admit. But if you compare the Vikings TV show to Game of Thrones, for example. Now, obviously, there are some complete fantasy elements to Game of Thrones. But if you take out the dragons and you take out the White Walkers, what you're left with in Game of Thrones is probably more historically accurate than Vikings on the History Channel. And I say that because... George R. R. Martin clearly pays attention to detail, and he's clearly uh, a history buff himself, and he really accurately portrays certain things in his television series. So things like, for example, the pageantry. If you go back to season one of Game of Thrones and you have the Lannisters coming to uh, the House of Stark up in the north, these this is, a, this is something that would have been real in the Middle Ages as well. The idea that the royal family is coming to your town to, to make an appearance, this would have created a lot of excitement, and it would have also reaffirmed the uh, royal family's high status. They would have worn dyes and colors that would have been sort of unique to the upper class as well. So certain dyes like violets, sometimes blue, but especially purples. So these dyes were hard to get, so pretty much you had to be of, of a certain level of influence in, in order to be able to afford them and to acquire them. So people wearing these kinds of clothing with these royal colors, they would have impressed themselves on the population. The population would have also been equally impressed. So again, as I said, it would have reaffirmed their, their high status. So th there was a definite goal to these parades and as you see in game of thrones as well it wasn't just to visit these far off places and and say hi to the people it was it was really you know politically motivated and yeah that that was the idea behind it so the way that george r r martin is able to sort of recreate these political relationships that that he has in his series and the political maneuvering that takes place he's he does a really good job of creating plot lines within these elements and these are real elements these are real relationships that would have existed during the middle ages and i find they are in complete contrast to things like bjorn going off into the woods to live by himself like this this is just not something that would have been a thing so and, and again this makes me a little bit sad because i i really believe that the vikings tv show could have been more historically accurate and still maintained its level of, of entertainment value so but it wasn't my call. So um, this is why Vikings and Vikings Valhalla are number three on my list. Still worth checking out. I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you've at least heard of the Vikings TV show by now already. I've even referenced Vikings Valhalla on this podcast. So just when you watch it, just be aware that not necessarily all the hairstyles, not necessarily all the houses are accurately portrayed. Even the relationships, the attitudes... It's it's more entertainment than than historical accuracy. But if you watch it bearing that in mind, then it's a fun little TV show. But there are better shows out there, and that's what I'm going to talk to you about in the next episodes. Until then, however, if you want to get in touch, 
If you've got questions, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at vikingstoryfaq at outlook.com. And on that note, see you next time. Cue Thor's Thunder. <laughs>